0: Hi, I'm Cassie Haynes. And I'm Jean Friedman-Rudovsky.
1: We're the co-executive directors of Resolve Philly. Welcome to Resolved, the podcast series in which we talk about the things we are firmly determined to do and why. On this episode, we'll be talking about sustainability. This might be an obvious one
0: in one sense of the word. We want to be sustainable. We want our organization to be around in the future and to keep our work alive. But our focus on sustainability goes deeper than that.
1: Organizations don't fail because they lack great ideas, they fail because they lack the strong systems and structures for long-term success. Without this foundation, you can't have sustainability.
0: To address this, we've partnered with Message Agency, a dynamic design and communications firm, on our organizational storytelling. And in fact, this podcast is part of our strategy to ensure that as we move into 2020, our partners, stakeholders, funders, and the larger community have a clear picture of who we are and what we do.
1: Then it's the financial part. We have to keep the money flowing in. So on this episode, we're going to talk about our plan for diversifying our revenue streams while leveraging philanthropic support, which accounts for the majority of our current funding. And the final part is
0: about investment in things that aren't programmatic, such as legal support, coaching, strategic planning, family sustaining wages and benefits, recruiting a really strong staff, and also self-care. We'll wrap up with a brief conversation to share our thoughts and plans around these components of sustainability. So with that, let's get into it.
1: I sat down with Aubrey Nagel at our office. She's the editor of Reframe, our newest initiative. I asked her to tell us where this started and where we're taking it.
2: So Reframe began with a grant we received from the News Integrity Initiative to focus on creating some tools and resources to help journalists use more human-centered language. I mean, this human-centered language can range from ridding a newsroom from phrases like illegal immigrant or addict and junkie to working more gender-neutral pronouns into their style guides. Um, So it includes a range of language changes and evolutions. And so over the past few months, we've spent doing some research and working with a design thinking firm to work with journalists to talk about what tools and resources would be most useful for them in implementing these changes. We really want to create tools that journalists will use every day to help them easily implement
1: these changes. So I want to talk a little bit more about the digital tools specifically, because this episode is focused on sustainability. And part of our strategy around sustainability as an organization is actually this investment that we've made into Reframe, because we've also identified it as a potential opportunity for generating revenue. And we see the digital tool as that opportunity. So I know that we are just at the stage where we're getting ready to sit down with a technologist and talk through some of the user tasks that we would envision this tool doing. But I'm hoping that you can ground us in where we're going in 2020 with respect to this particular component of Reframe. There are two kind of
2: sides of the digital tool coin, one being this community feedback component um, that is really, in our my opinion, unique to this space, or you might have other spell check tools and functions out there, but none that really take in feedback from your, your newsroom's audience and gives that right back to reporters. So we're looking to build a community feedback tool that will have specific prompts and gather specific information about how headlines and word choice and framing impact their community members and how they feel about themselves and each other. Um, The other side being this language analysis tool, which you can think of as almost like a a spell check, a Grammarly, something along those lines that will identify terms and phrases that might be apt for evolution or change or problematic in a journalist's work as they're writing um, and provide them not with just an alternative. And this is where we didn't want to hit creating just another style guide. We won't just provide, you know, this is the wrong word versus the right word, but we'll provide instead a list of resources where to learn more about that topic, uh, what a community member might feel about that topic if they've provided feedback specific to that uh, term, or uh, what an advocacy group or organization has recommended as best practices. Um, so these are the two uh, tools we're looking to create, uh, the two sides of them. And over the next few months, we'll be looking forward to bootstrapping some of these components together and testing them in newsrooms with a pilot that will be launching in the spring of 2020 with hope that we can bring it to
1: more newsrooms after that. Aubrey, can you tell us a little bit about how we're measuring the success of Reframe? What are the metrics that we're using? How are we determining if this project is successful or not?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a complicated question of how to track impact over something like this, where we'll be working with uh, likely a nine-month pilot period. And before and throughout that pilot, we'll be tracking the impact of our newsroom's efforts on their audiences and how their audiences feel about them. At the beginning of this work, we had pegged that really to the success to trust and whether that would increase, ideally, trust among the audiences of these newsrooms as they're committing to this work. And trust in itself is a complicated thing to measure, being that it could correspond to the likelihood that you would subscribe to an organization or that you would recommend it to a friend or that you would allow that news organization to tell your story. But so how we plan to go about it is working with the community members and the panel that we set up to talk about really the efforts coming from the newsrooms and not necessarily the way that their words impact their larger community. That would require such a longitudinal study that on this more short-term basis, um, we'll be looking at how the commitment and pledge to do this work impacts the thoughts of audience, community members that aren't necessarily audiences of these newsrooms already, those who are not paying attention because they have lost trust over this amount of time. So being able to gauge that trust would be a much longer endeavor, but we'll be looking at this kind of negotiation and commitment and how that impacts newsrooms.
1: You talked a bit about the importance of trust between and among communities and newsrooms, and I want to point out that that's a key part of A lot of the other work that we do as part of resolve philly so if you're listening i'd encourage you to check out our episode on transforming how communities engage with news and information where we dig deeper into that issue of trust in communities aubrey we're kicking off the pilot in the spring of 2020 can you tell me what types of organizations are participating
2: so we're looking to have a pretty wide range of newsrooms involved in a probably a four to six newsroom cohort for this pilot, most of which will be partners of ours in Philly and perhaps outside of Philly as well. That will consist of uh, legacy newsrooms and those in print, ideally in radio and TV as well. So we're looking to hit a wide range of medium size and um, general audience as well as like an alternative weekly too. So success for us for the reframe pilot looks like our partners engaging with the system throughout the nine months that we plan on working with them. And then ideally at the end, licensing these products and using them full time in their newsrooms for their full staff. You know, depending on the size of the newsroom, we might just use a desk or two, but really branching that out for the
1: full staffs. Thanks so much, Aubrey. We're so excited about this initiative and where it's heading in 2020. Thanks for having me. Now we're going to hear from Adam Landau, co-CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Permit Capital Advisors. Adam's going to talk about impact investment, what it means and why it's something that Resolve should explore.
3: I think Resolve knows certainly what they are. I think they're still figuring out what they want to be. So I've been part of a group that's been working with them to help their business plan. As it pertains to the business plan, I will quickly get over my skis if I try to weigh in too much on the journalistic nature of their mission, where I think I can lend a more credible hand is in talking about financial sustainability, not only based on my work as an investor, but my involvement with a number of nonprofits oftentimes involves thinking about financial sustainability and a financial model. And that's one that fortuitously has recently dovetailed with my investment work because Any nonprofit today that is looking for sources of revenue, I think, is well served to think about creating diversity of those revenue sources. So, on the fundraising front, that means how to raise money through different channels and how to raise money from the foundation community and the corporate community and the high net worth community. But I also think it means thinking creatively about other sources of capital that might be available to them. And one such source of capital is the realm of impact investing. And the way I describe impact investing to people, because ours is a business that loves acronyms, so some people call it SRI or socially responsible investing, and some people call it ESG or environmental, societal, and governance investing. I think of it as really aligned investing. So mission aligned or values aligned. And what I mean by that is deploying capital in something where you expect some degree of return, but where there is also going to be a social good. So when I talked to Cassie and Gene, and they told me about this technology that they're developing to help really democratize the delivery of journalism from newsrooms into the community, where perhaps there's a gap right now in how that news is delivered that sounded to me like something that would not only create benefit for a particular organization but in some ways develop a paradigm and in any nascent technology early on it's good to think about how you might commercialize this you know what the revenue stream might look like what the target audience might look like what the investor base might look like and start to think early on about how you would structure something that other organizations would be willing to invest in. What gets me excited about this effort as it pertains to Resolve is Cassie and Gene truly are progressive forward thinkers. And I can envision a scenario where if this technology is developed and this impact investment takes hold, that there would be others behind it. You know, Resolve in a way can serve as a little bit of a laboratory for journalism, for media companies. And I think the whole notion of solutions-based journalism and community-based long-form journalism that Resolve is built around could also be fertile ground for developing technologies and delivery mechanisms that could really lend itself to a suite of impact investment products. And if that comes to fruition, if they are able to do that, not only will they be doing a great service to their nonprofit and to the industry that they're serving, but to the nonprofit foundation allocator community as a whole, which is looking to make more of these investments. And if what Cassie and Gene and the team that they've built are able to deliver a set of tools that people can invest into, I think it could create a real win-win scenario.
1: That was Adam Landau, co-CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Permit Capital Advisors. All
0: right, so we've heard from Aubrey Nagel, we've heard from Adam Landau on really important elements of sustainability for Resolve. But at the beginning of this episode, we mentioned a few other things that have been and will continue to be really crucial to our growth as a sustainable organization.
1: We've been fortunate to have very flexible funding from our core investors. This has allowed us to make the big, unsexy, expensive, but foundational and ultimately invaluable investments in our work. Our ability to underwrite relationships with your part-time controller and our legal team at Cheshire Law Group, in addition to competitive salaries and benefits packages, absolutely sets us up for sustainability. Taking care of ourselves is also part of
0: this. We and our staff can't do great work if we're overworked, overtired, or overstressed.
1: That's right, and as co-executive directors and also friends, Mm -hmm. we really work hard to hold each other accountable around goals of self-care. And actually, Jean's on maternity leave right now as we're recording this podcast. And I think one of the ways in which we are actually in real time demonstrating how sustainable our organization already is, is by the fact that you're out on a fully paid maternity leave for three months. And as an organization that is less than a year old, I think that that is a huge mark of sustainability. That's right. Less than a
0: year old. I'm taking three months off and things are moving along as smoothly as if I was there, Um, which I think is pretty remarkable for such a young organization and particularly for an organization where, you know, a year ago it was just me and you. And it's not just for folks who are pregnant. We have unlimited paid time off. Cassie, you're going to take some time off next year after I come back. And it's really important to us that we're sort of fostering an environment where people feel like they can take care of themselves and their families. And it's not just about always getting the work done as soon as possible.
1: That's right. I think there's a real danger in the startup culture when you're committed to the work, when you're excited about the work, when it's what you've been really itching to do. It can feel really difficult to place boundaries on something when you love it so much. And I think we work really hard with our team to ensure that people are taking the time that they need. Our community engagement editor spends a lot of evenings throughout the week out in the field doing engagement. Work, we really try to encourage him to take time during the day. Then, you know, if he can't get to the gym after work because he's at a community meeting, he should go to the gym during the day, you know, and finding that space and redefining what the traditional boundaries have been for work time and work scheduling and allowing people to really work based on rules that allow them to be their most productive selves and to show up their healthiest selves to work every day, I think is real important and definitely a part of sustainability that that we don't really talk about very much. It's
0: true, we don't. And I'd also like to add, sometimes I schedule Cassie's vacations for her. I put them in the calendar and then I invite her to her days off. It's true.
1: She she often (laughs) does. She's not very good.
0: Sometimes (laughs) at scheduling those days off herself. And so that's one of the ways that we keep each other in check, not just in terms of getting work done and deadlines, but also in terms of taking care of ourselves. To find out more about Resolve or to keep up with what we're doing, you can find us at resolvephilly.org or on Twitter at Resolve Philly.
1: And as always, we want to thank the folks who enable our work to happen on a daily basis, our fantastic funders. They are the Knight Lenfest Local News Transformation Fund, Independence Public Media, Solutions Journalism Network, Wincoat Foundation, News Integrity Initiative, the Kahneman-Treisman Center for Behavioral Science and Public Policy at Princeton University, and the Philadelphia Foundation. And a huge thanks
0: to our production team, Stephanie Marutis at Covenda Media, and Brad Linder. Thank you. Thanks so much.